0: and hello movie lovers so tonight i actually have a very special guest with me a very handsome and sexy guest from canada and that's none other than brad from canada he's also part of the Scene invaders podcast so make some noise for him we're going to be covering our interview with the vampire spoiler review for season one we're only covering the first three episodes and then next week we're going to move into the rest of the season but it's just excited to be able to geek out about this series so with further ado let's go on ahead let's get on with the show Hey, Brad, how are you?
1: How's it going, John? Man, you flattered. It's going good. An opening like that, man. You know how to endear somebody.
0: You're very welcome. I always want to make my fellow uh, Canadian brother welcome on the show. And what better way to do this interview, right? This review.
1: (laughs) Well, you've always made me feel very welcome. uh, And I've always loved listening to all your shows. So thank you very much. Really appreciate the invite.
0: You're very welcome anytime. So, Here's the thing, I grew up with the interview with the vampire movie, right, and I love the movie, and now we're moving into the t v series and I love how it's adapted into the t v series because we're into a two thousand twenty two realm with Louis living in a two thousand twenty two kind of atmosphere, which right. is something that I really love,
1: yeah, I really got a kick out of the way um like I read the books when um in high school, I read interview with the Vampire and the Vampire Stat. and I I've, when the movie came out, I had to go see it. I love both actors. I love the depiction, but I like the movie more than I like the books, and I like the show more than I like the movie and the books. Uh, I love the world that Anne Rice has written for us, and you know, you know, string me up for this. um I think she's a very long-winded writer. She really, really, really pulls the taffy when she's writing, and that's her style and everything, but I don't need nine pages to discover how somebody sh- picked up a violin. No. Uh, she's That's very
0: long-winded. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. She's very long-winded, and I read, the very first book I read was, like, last year, which is The Witching Hour, right. uh, which is also part of the series. And I love The Witching Hour, but it's too wordy for me. Yeah. Because she exaggerates on something for way too long
1: that That is my only complaint about her writing. Like I said, I love the characters she's created, and I love this world she's done. And I love how she's modernized the vampire lore beyond just horror. did not make it completely like not all vampires wear taffeta and and sock the streets and are into art and everything, but the fun ones are exactly. And I got. But
0: what I love about this is how realistic they are and the characterizations of the characters where you can relate to them. Even though they're vampires, they have very human nature, even though they're not supposed to have that human nature. And that's something I really feel like with the show actually captures, the humanosity of it, if there's even such a word as, as humanosity, but it is tonight. But I, I think still, humanosity
1: yeah. is going to be my new favorite word. The uh, the uh, audacity and humanity, it's more, we have humanosity, I'll take it.
0: Right, but the thing that I like is the part where they open up with the news. The news reporter Daniel, he's gotten fired for X amount of stuff that he's done. He's not a very good reporter. Also, too, another thing that I liked was how they gave us the atmosphere of what the newsroom was when we first was in the news atmosphere,
1: yeah, and then what it is the, today. The, the news hounds, the um, your editors like barking at you. It, it gave me a very Clark Kent lois lane vibe from the superman series that you had a you had a bullpen of reporters and all that and okay you guys go get the news and then they went out and got the news and now this kind of format like he's an he's an an aged man like i say he's an old man but you know he's he's definitely feeling his age he's not well it's discovered he has parkinson's and what this show does brilliantly is it kind of springboards off of the movie like That interview from the movie wasn't really completed properly. And now he's getting another bite at the apple for it 40, 50 years later?
0: 40 years later, I believe.
1: Because remember
0: when Daniel winds up calling, oh, not Lestat, but Louis out on it? He's like, okay, so you're going to wait 40 years to call me back up and tell me that the interview that I did was unconducted, unorchestrated, and I didn't pay attention to you.
1: Yeah, like and now you want to? Like, you were dis, you were disrespectful, and he just wasn't taking the interview process serious enough for Louis at the time. And then, like, like he realizes, hey, I was high. These these were not the best times. I was a young, brash reporter, and you got things done the way you got things done. But I—I I just like that—that you could have pretty much left off, less the last scene of the the movie. On how, like, well, Daniel Malloy, the interviewer, got the hell out of there after Louis attacked him, scared the shit out of him. And he got out, drove off and all that stuff. And now it's like, okay, 40 years later. Now, in the book, I believe he did attack him and bite him just to scare him. And, well, in the show, they pretty much show that as uh, Malloy's got a wound on his neck. So it looks like he was bitten, fed upon, perhaps, but not killed or turned.
0: And that's something I liked, though, was the fact that it was more of a message of like, if you go on ahead and screw this interview up, there's going to be more than just me biting you this time.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give you the real story because I'm ready to tell it. Right. I, I think I think it's it's both that Louis wasn't ready to tell the story and Daniel wasn't ready to receive it. But it shows him like going to old Old audio tapes and finding a, uh, a tape player, which brings me back because I still have a tape player and, and tapes and just listening to to the old story. Well, he gets the invite, gets the. The letter, the handwritten letter from Louis to I want to what is it? I want to continue the project that uh, Boyish Youth stopped us or something along those lines. Boyish right. youth. He's a couple hundred years old. That
0: boyish youth has... <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get a kick but out But I like
0: that, though, because I think Louis is probably... Here's the thing with Louis, though, and this is what I love about Louis in the TV series. He has this smoothness about him, and Lestat does, too. But Louis has his way about him, the way he walks, and the oh, way he talks.
1: He's... He he's is like... Velvet and silk and soft leather, just... He's so <laughs> aristocrat but not arrogant. You know, he's Exactly. He's, he's cultured. He knows of where he is. He's got quite the apartment in Dubai. I love that opening scene of showing the outskirts of the way Dubai is laid out and Louis is there, Jacob Anderson looking so just perfect and stunning.
0: It's very atmospheric.
1: Very. Yes. Oh, yeah. Dubai is a character in this, and it lays out so, so well, because only the wealthy of the wealthy get to be there. And you could tell that just from his decor, from his manservant. I don't know if that's a proper term or his assistant or what have you. Um, Rashid, who is also Louis, likes to surround himself by very beautiful men. I noticed that a lot. <laughs> Definitely. And it's it's but... just they they start the interview over and that that's one of my favorite lines is i'm sitting with louis so mr black how long have you been dead and then it just goes into it (laughs) it goes straight
0: into the story of of new orleans and that's something that i really liked was where now you actually have like a cinematic kind of vibe mixed in with this tv series on a smaller screen but it also Mm -hmm. feels very wide this wide uh, wide angle shot of the story but also too i like how daniel kind of cuts him off a little because look i've already heard this story you've already we've already covered this yeah because but like, you know what? No, and i, and is, I have
1: yeah. i have told you this story i haven't told you the story you know i i, I gave you right. like the little bits but i've never given you the truth and i think half of this truth is his relationship with what's that which they never really explored in the in the movie i mean there was some sexual tension between brad pitt and tom cruise but they never really outright showed that they were lovers they did in the book but she didn't really outright say it it was always just everything was just implied and you know the curious mind would say yeah of course they are well they make no bones about it in the TV show, they are absolute made for each other lovers. And Definitely. I, I, I love that part of it. I remember I was sitting there and I was watching it and it showed, we might be skipping ahead a little bit, but it showed Lestat and Louie together with the prostitute. And they're just looking at each other and just kind of flirting, you are know, thinking there's some kind of three-way action going. And I was sitting there on the couch. I'm looking, well, you guys just, Get the hooker out of the way and just like go at each other because that's what you're after. And they did. And that's the first time Listat bit Louie, didn't turn him. But it was just right. But
0: we can jump around and everything with this, right? But we can jump around with this a lot because there's a lot of stuff that I really liked about this episode compared to the Blockbuster review that I did. But this
1: to me, the Blockbuster review was really good too. (laughs) I like your review.
0: Appreciate it.
1: Thank you.
0: But here's the thing. But this though, and the way you told we're, uh, we're talking about the sexual tension between them, and I like the whole entire thing with the prostitute. Is like now I like how Lestat said, "Now go to sleep." So she winds up going to sleep, and next yeah, thing you know, I it they wind up going I'm at it because
1: making out, having fun, and just and Louis pretty much said that he's he is a gay man, but being a gay black man at that time in New Orleans was probably not very easy being a black man. That's another thing. They, they swapped out mm. the race, which was really, really smart because it shows the uphill battle that Louis is going to have his entire life. He's a successful businessman. He's a pimp. He runs a brothel, a very successful brothel, but it shows, I can see that the way they did that because Every battle he has is an uphill battle against the people he's working with and for. He's getting cheated at every turn. And I can see how he would really, really be able to jump into Lestat's arms, Lestat's offer, Lestat's life just for a break from that pain. Just I, I don't want a better life. I don't want a worse life. I want a different life than I'm playing with right now. His life is just nothing but stress from his no, because brother, his, up- his, his mother that he can't really live up to, his sister that's forever needy. I mean, it's dark side of the forest all over. Like, you know, like what, what something's exactly. gonna break, you you can't have that much pressure and the pressure of your you actual see, livelihood,
0: right? And you see, that's something else too is living up to his mother's expectations while also trying to live up to his brother's expectations because. It's, Brother is just annoying, and even list. I like how list dad is at the dinner table and calls him out on his stuff, though too. But let me backtrack a little bit for a minute here too. Well, I mean, his brother's got second.
1: some got some issues. The birds right. speak for him,
0: exactly. But let me let me backtrack for one second about what you mentioned about the fact of of a black Amer- African American being in New Orleans and you know being successful, even though it's a brothel. He's still getting screwed over by by the white by white people. He's doing getting screwed over by them. And also, too, there's also this other thing that I liked was where basically where you know, let's uh basically where the Daniel winds up saying, So, you know, it's kind of like he owns you. Lestat kind of owns you a little. Yeah. So I and you know what though, I was actually thinking that myself. So I like how they're they're actually playing it off of the narrative of what the audience is actually thinking.
1: Yeah, they, they lay it out really well. Like, okay, this this man essentially owns you, and that is a time in which where that was happening, and that Louis is in such denial. Now, I'm not saying Listad owns him, but he definitely has a power over him beyond. You know, if anyone's watching, this has already seen, guess what? Yeah. He turns them into a vampire. They're both vampires. Um, and it just has that inherent just knowledge one. Okay. Now I turn you into a vampire. I've been a vampire for a hundred years. You are kind of betrothed to me because you don't know how to be a vampire. And if you do not know how to do that, there could be some horrific results, a hunger sunlight any anything that can like lead to death of an immortal so i mean just for like the gratitude and just for the knowledge he's there beyond the fact that they're absolutely in love like he he was he hated Listat the first time they met him he was at the um at the brothel that um that lou would go to to keep up appearances that he was straight and he would be with that girl, Lily. And then he saw Lestat there and Lestat outbid him for, for the girl that he wanted. And I should remember that line. He says, I wanted, he says, both emasculated and envious at the same time. I wanted to kill him, but I wanted to be him. I thought it was really, right. really good. It was admiration and hate all in the same.
0: It's very same poetic.
1: Breath. Very. very. And-, and it's funny when he's telling Malloy, Daniel Malloy, the story, he's so eloquent. And it looks like every one of his words is measured, which is why you see Malloy getting aggravated. Like this is too rehearsed. I'm going to poke and prod and I'm going to get you angry. And I'm going to get you the real story and being an older man with Parkinson's really nothing to lose. Hey, you can't scare me.
0: Oh, uh, Abby has some stuff to say from motor city Nerds. She says, I love that they don't treat their audience like they're stupid.
1: Very it's so true. good.
0: I went and uh, and only thinking of Miss Lily and left the, left only thinking of him.
1: Yes, that's a that's a great great line. Thanks, Abby. Always got her back.
0: Abby's fantastic. I'm just going to yes, be she honest really with is. you. She,
1: oh, I follow her on everything. D- she's she's great.
0: She, she, she's very knowledgeable with Game of Thrones, this stuff, and stuff like that. I really. She's really phenomenal. Yes, she is. Um, but okay, so another thing I want to mention is this. I also liked how they set up like the final sunrise, whenever you have the celebration of this wedding happening, right? And then you have the death of Louis's brother, and he winds up, of course, killing himself. But I'm thinking that dad had a hand in that, where I,
1: I don't know. I honestly don't know. Now, the brother had some mental issues. He was a man of God, but you could see that he would talk to himself. And Lestat could show early on that he can read minds. He can slightly influence. You know, I mentioned Dark Side of the Force. He's got some like a Monica of the Force. that He can kind of influence people. He can move much faster than anybody can. He can move so fast that nobody can see, see him. He's intently strong he's pretty much has it over. So when they're sitting there, there's that round when they're playing cards and Lou is trying to negotiate a new deal and they're saying, we're going to let you open up your own broth and we'll give you 15%, which is just a slap in the face when the average person would get, and I actually looked into this, about 70%. If they're going to do all the work, they get 70% and the investors get about 30%. And they're offering him 15%. So list that with a mind trick or moving too fast, whatever, just kind of slows down time and has a conversation with like, like you're getting hosed. You know, you're getting hosed. Why do you put up with this indignity of this farce? Mm -hmm. You're better than this. And you see, show you how I can make you better. And that's a taste. Exactly. Like that. That's a taste. I can do that. Oof.
0: I love it, though, because of the fact – I like the quote that he actually says, too, where he says, know your worth. Know what you're mm-hmm. worth, and he's basically saying love yourself, too. Mm-hmm. But know your um, – but also, too, he's pointing it out. Hey, look, you're getting gypped here by these guys. They're douchebags. You need to go ahead and do yeah. what you <laughs> need to do and be smart about this. Ask for more a percentage than what anybody else is getting. Yeah,
1: and then I like more. how
0: he takes – and here's the thing. I like how Lestat smoothly takes out the card from the other guy's hand and puts yeah. it into Louis's hand.
1: Yeah, because the original had two pairs and swaps it out and gives him a full house. So, I mean, like, and that's what he says. Do you think you can really come to the table and win with two pair? That's kind of like, you need me. Because mm-hmm. you, if, if you didn't need me, you wouldn't be doing this by yourself. And this is all previous, like pre Louis knowing he's a vampire he figures he just does tricks it's in new orleans new orleans is famous for ghosts for vampires for all types of lore and it's just kind of secondhand nature people go with it so god fearing people and just Lestat just gets his claws into him
0: he does and
1: into every aspect of his life even his family like you said he went to dinner that's what i
0: wanted to get back on
1: oh let's Uh, talk about uh, that dinner
0: the dinner scene to me is my favorite thing. And I like how he calls him out on his brother's BS, his own brother's BS, though, too. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Christian, too, but I don't bash people over the head like his brother was doing or anything like that either. And well, that really got under my skin to the point where I'm like, I do not blame you, Listat. I did not blame you at all.
1: Well, especially when you heard what Listat's <laughs> um, brush with or even attempt at any kind of religion, because he attempted. He attempted to be a man of God, and then his father and abusive brothers took him from the class in which where he wanted to learn, and this is in the book *The Vampire Lestat*. They tortured him, they starved him, um, they beat him, and every day all he did was ask for God's help, and God didn't show up. And you could see Sam Reed, who's just such an amazing actor, pulling off his *Vampire Lestat*, the Brat Prince. Perfect. You could just see him getting more intense, more intense, more intense. His brows furrowed and just like just tense, intense, and stronger and stronger. He goes from 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 having like a medium level. Oh, super charming finger in the air to I'm going to kill everybody here and no one can stop me. And you believed it, even if you didn't know he's a vampire. Like, yeah. Yeah, I I love that dinner scene. And I do like that. uh, The
0: dinner scene is really.
1: Forgive him. The birds speak for him and he was so just apologetic. <laughs> yes, Van Lestat is my you're favorite. you're making book Abby in the over here well. geek out. <laughs> yes. It's it's my favorite book in the series as well. So much to the point that I um I'm looking to get the graphic novel. There's also a comic adaptation of it. And yeah. Yeah, that's definitely I think it's like 100 bucks on Amazon. So I'm not there yet, but you know, maybe I'll check out some used bookstores. Uh, I think that was the last time that, the first time anyway, that uh, (laughs) Lestat lost his composure. But that was, that you could tell that hit every nerve. You know, I've never been kidnapped by my family and beaten and starved and all that stuff. But I could see how it might trigger something.
0: But also too, whenever Lestat winds up making Louis the vampire, it goes to show you that he's going through the same exile kind of treatment that that Lestat went through mm-hmm. When his own family exiled him Whenever his brother died
1: well, So it's kind seen, of going into the, the same three. Kind of
0: aspect in a sense But also not as hard
1: Yeah, there's a, a Horrific abandonment in Lestat's story um, And like It gets into it in the final Three episodes And that that's when you're going to start to salivate And I don't know, the writing The showrunner Everybody on this is just fired on every cylinder because it just flows. It flows. I love the past, and I'm not much of a guy for like that really likes the historical yesteryear kind of thing. I'm, I'm I like modern stuff, so I loved how they flash to them in Dubai. How just comfortable. And just really cool everything is. Like, Lou's done pretty well for himself. I don't know if Lestat gave him a bunch of money or whatever, but, like, I guess if you're going to live that long, you have that kind of mind-reading talent. So, I mean, I, I would live at a casino for, you know, a little bit and just play cards and influence things and make an amass of money and then just exist. But, I mean, I guess if you're immortal, that's all you can do is exist. That's it. You're going to be with each other for a long time. And they explore that after, well, the end of the first episode is a horrific, bloody, beautiful, gory scene where Louis has just kind of given up, given up so much that he goes to the church that he despises. He goes begging for help, saying that the devil is in my head, speaking of Lestat. And while he is attempting to I confess yeah, all the, his the, sins um, Lestat intervenes and rips the priest right out of the confessional booth destroys the booth and just feeds on him very unceremoniously to the point where everyone loves that scene where he, uh, the vampire's got a little trickle of blood running down, they, they just fed well, Lestat's face is covered covered, in is blood. covered. He blood he was um, hunting for fun, not hunger
0: No, and I'm glad that they didn't shine away from the blood or anything like that either. It's so grotesque, and it's there for a reason.
1: Yeah, and the other priest that discovers it, discovers the bloodbath, tries to run, and it shows everything from Lestat's perspective on how quickly he can catch up, just walking slowly as the priest is in slow motion. And instead of feeding on this priest, he just punches him right through the back of his head, exploding his skull. And that okay, so, is beautiful. It's beautiful. Okay,
0: so the part that this is what I like though was like this wide angle shot of Louis and him. And of course, this is actually the part where he's sucking the blood and stuff like that, from, mm-hmm. uh, basically turning him into a vampire, right? So my thing is this I like how it shows the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross and then it pan angles to them on the floor. And it's kind of like, okay. Is like the death and resurrection of Louis, right. in in this uh, sanctuary where you're supposed to feel safe and it's also the death and resurrection of Jesus too. So yeah. you have those two angles playing off of each other in a sense.
1: It it almost looked like you're watching this vampire turn through Jesus's point of view, like Jesus up there watching this and powerless yeah. to do anything. It was it was a fantastic shot. And how do you feel about the way? And Rice um, invented how vampires are turned.
0: I liked it because of the fact really that you don't see that. it. Right. Because I think that you have to drain somebody out of their own blood and then fill that blood with And then
1: feed vamp- you with your own blood, your own Theoretically it makes that, sense. That that, that that has like different properties that would, you know, sustain but I always like that versus um you get bit once, and then you're a vampire. No, it it's like there's
0: there's a process.
1: There's of, a process,
0: and I like how slow of the process actually is with when uh, Louis is turning. And then I like how he's dra- dragging the priest. Out, uh, Lestat is actually dragging the priest out of the thing in the second episode. Mm-hmm. And then you have Louis throwing up the blood. Yeah, just, just yes, you're gonna feel that for a little bit. It's okay, and then <laughs>
1: he just yep. throws. Just, just, just (laughs) wretches up everything. And the realization comes in that I'm just completely hungry. And here's something that everybody fantasizes. I have a big vampire fetish. Like I've I've written books, stories about them since I was like seven or eight years old. I just, vampires is always just my jam now. Okay. So tomorrow I'm a vampire and now I got to go feed on somebody. I don't know if I can do that.
0: Right, because and, you've been so used to eating normal food to the point is like, is this really just? This, this is really no, this like is a necessity
1: right. and like Lestat takes utter joy in it and makes like a show of it and just I I g he's been doing it for a hundred years. So you might as well be theatrical, you might as well enjoy your life. And Lou is not enjoying that part of his life. He doesn't want to kill people, he's looking for a reason, he's pulling a dexter. Hey, how why don't we just kill bad people? And Lestat's like I, Who's bad?
0: And then he's like, You're going to be starving to death.
1: Why do we get to choose who's bad? That's kind of rude. Which well, I thought also, was really cool.
0: He's <laughs> like, Lestat has boundaries too and rules for himself. And then yeah. Louis's trying to set up the same kind of rules in play for himself.
1: But he and wants Lestat to play by his rules too because he feels guilty that Lestat's just going around killing people. Right. And this the, another thing that this theory showed me is how often a vampire needs to feed daily mm-hmm. exactly and there are other stories that say oh you know but once a month i can feed or and no this is this is the equivalent of eating food if you don't eat food you will get hungry if they don't feed blood they get hungry and listat has been doing this a while As i said he's pretty cultured at it he knows you don't go after high profile people you, it's New Orleans. There's a string of people coming and going. It doesn't really matter. He has an incinerator on his property to burn the bodies to make sure that no one can find anything. And it's just he enjoys it there. And he's trying to get Louis to enjoy his new life. And it's easier and, said than done.
0: It, it really Louis is. Louis
1: wants to be Louis wants to be human with all these powers. But it "Like you're not human." Let no. go of your attachments. Your family—they despise you already. They're never going to accept you. And there's that—that um, that scene that made everybody a little uncomfortable from the commercials, and then we actually see it when Malloy looks at him. So did you eat the baby? Right. And... he's holding it. He's holding his, <laughs> his sister's child and getting hungry because he has. I like how.
0: I think my stepdaughter put this perfectly well when I was set, when we were talking about this, because she's like she loves interview with the vampire. She loves vampire stuff and things like that, too. And I think she put it put it down perfectly well. Like, that's like the stepfather to Louie. And every single time when he's doing something that he's not supposed to be doing, he's just sitting back laughing the whole time.
1: And then yeah. when. Just in, like and, yeah. look at you. I'm still here for you. <laughs> I will let you make this mistake, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah, is like very well the the steward of the of the relationship that that knows everything and indulges, Louis. I mean, I I don't know why it always makes me laugh the coffin scenes.
0: The coffin stuff makes me laugh because of how private they are about the coffins, and but then they have they, the smart.
1: Yeah, they have the two coffins side by each and. <laughs> They get dressed for bed and all that, and then they're wearing silk pajamas. Then they get in their coffin, and then <laughs> the bed just go, the coffin just goes over, and then they say, "Well, tomorrow we'll try something." And he's like, "I'm tired. Stop talking, please." And it's just like an an aggravated couple.
0: It does play. because my favorite thing is when Les dad does this. He winds up taking off his clothes the first night that Louis becomes the vampire, and he goes, "I'll get you a coffin just like mine one day." Yeah.
1: guess what you can sleep I'm not, on top <laughs> i'm not sleeping in that it's okay it could go on top <laughs> now, i don't know why coffins are necessary i always had a theory that it's the only guaranteed way that no sunlight's going to get in if something moves you if your house burns down or whatever no sunlight can get into you but um also too you know, we, it represents
0: death and because death. they're
1: dead yeah oh
0: so, that's another thing so, uh, but let's also talk about that for a second, though, too, because Louis wanted to run out in broad daylight to see his family.
1: He just wanted to get away.
0: And he wanted to get away from Lestat, but he can't get away because he doesn't know that he can't go out during the sun. But I like how they use the special effects, which is kind of like the same special effects that they use for the interview with the vampire movie, where it's just yeah, turning to ash. Turning slowly. to ash
1: and everything is like just like slowly burning like the ultraviolet light just burns, burns their skin. And like they smolder, they smoke, and they just kind of Louis comes running back, wounded, hurt, and just, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And Lestat has all the answers. So he has all the power. Lestat cares about things. It's just he has no human attachments. He cares about art and the things that make him smile. And humans just don't make him smile. The things humans do make him smile. Um, and like pleasures of the flesh and all that beyond eating. Like uh, both are like, well, Lestat is very bisexual. Louis is homosexual. Kept up performance or um, kept up appearances, excuse me, to not get more. Trouble with the time he's already living in, but people knew, and they just they let him be only because he was making the money. And exactly, what, and then
0: as soon as,
1: as right, soon as the as, money, as soon as they saw a perception that they didn't like, that okay, listen, now we have two men obviously laying with one another. We kind of got it the town who controls the licenses and all that for Louie to keep up his business, even though he bought the more successful brothel because he always wanted to with Lestat's help. Lestat is filthy, filthy rich. And he just, Lestat will do anything for Louie. He will. Yep. Anything at all. He indulges all these things just... I think he has an agenda that, listen, I will help you with all these things, knowing that who you are, who they are, who you've become, they're going to fail. And when they fail, I will always be here for you, Louis. And I think it's just an elaborate trap that he has set before. And, well, if you read the vampire that that's again, he's, he's, he's evil is evil but the best characters don't care if they're good or evil they don't know they're good or evil and to me knows he's a vampire and and to be honest with you
0: the the ones that i'm scared of are the ones who think that they're right and those are the best villains and to me and that's completely blindsided into with their own actions their own abilities and stuff like that so that's why i like list death so much and that's also what makes him so dangerous he thinks he's in the right And that's the most dangerous character that you can actually have.
1: He doesn't care if he's wrong, because who is he wrong to? Food?
0: Exactly. And this is something else I wanted to talk about, too. Um, You know how we talked about the fact that, you know, Louis is a black guy and people are racist towards, and also homosexuality, though, too. Now you have him being a vampire on top of all of that, Mm -hmm. which makes them hate them even more than ever.
1: But and no one then, knows he's a vampire. Yeah. Everyone just thinks that he has just got some right. kind of new air of power that they really hate. And it's it's just nothing is going to end well for Louis. <laughs> Not no. at that time. Go to sleep for four hundred years and wake up. Guess what? <laughs> Things are better. At the internet.
0: Let's see. Abby says, "I love that." Lestat outright says, "No discriminatory." When Louis is like, "What do you, do you like, men or women?"
1: Oh yes. Yes. I don't discriminate. I'm non discriminating. He's just he likes he likes. If you've been around for that long, I mean you're going to try and taste everything. Definitely. Pardon pardon the pun.
0: <laughs> so but another Louis, thing Louis
1: is is happy eating animals, happy keeping up appearances, enjoying his power, enjoying the money until they kind of just segregation. And really, just try and close down his business because of the homosexuality. Because they've they're tired of it. they, they just the, the town has basically had enough. And you finally, you finally get Louis mad at somebody other than Lestat. Other mad at somebody other than himself. The townsman, the the gentleman that controls all the money, is like, well, I don't know what to tell you these are things that happen if you'd have played nice we could have got these licenses and get all that stuff and you can see louis just seething so much to the point that he just walks right up and scares the hell out of the gentleman gentleman jag off so he pulls a gun out and shoots louis three times and louis looks at him it's like okay and he panics he panics he says it's okay you can reload gives the guy a chance to reload, gets right into his face. The guy says, what are you? And he says, what am I? I'm a vampire. Then he tears the guy in half. You don't see it, but he strings up his body pretty much at City Hall.
0: And this is the part that I like when Lestat oh. does. And he goes, so, that wasn't that, that wasn't about you, right? You, you said that wasn't about you. Yes, the, yeah, <laughs> yes, and-
1: this, this, this pent-up <laughs> anger that you took about all this. You're okay with that? this this grand scale this wasn't this wasn't theatrics this wasn't this wasn't screw you to anybody that's ever crossed me everybody knows i did this no
0: okay but i like how he owns up to that <laughs> right but here's the thing though i like how he owns up to that in the interview though after thinking about it for that amount, those large amount of times he's owning up to the fact That, yeah, he was angered at the whole entire deal with the racism, with the homosexuality, and them doing wrong to him. I like how years later he... Cut loose.
1: He finally got to cut loose. And he felt good cutting loose, but he feels guilty that he felt good cutting loose.
0: Right. It's all about the repercussions later on, like ask questions later kind of situation.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Ready, fire, aim.
0: And I don't blame the guy though. I really I don't, don't
1: blame anything. It's the same reason. I don't blame Darth Vader. He got screwed over and then he just snapped. Louis finally snapped. The only thing is he had the stat to say, Hey, it's okay to snap. I encourage you to snap. Wasn't that fun? You could liked it. This is what you do. This is what I do. This is why I'm always smiling. You know, because one, I'm non-discriminatory with sex. Two, I like to go to the opera. Three, I murder people yeah. for fun.
0: Speaking of the opera, okay. Even though their tuxes were different from what we saw in the interview with the vampire, but I like how the opera singers has that those same suits that they had from the interview from the interview with the vampire movie. So yeah, I like this little The nods. little
1: details, the little details. Yeah, they they it's it's a true adaptation. I saw this thing online and I, I giggle at it every time. It has a guy holding another guy. He says, why can't the adaptation be exactly like the book? And the guy puts his hand on his shoulder and says, that's not an adaptation. So an adaptation is based upon something. You have room to grow and have fun. And I think this property... I originally said on the c Innovators podcast that I don't think it's superior, but I've watched it a couple times and I've revisited my favorite parts. I believe it is superior to the movie for the production, and they can. I'm, I'm a lot of puns today. You can really sink your teeth into this story. You have, and by the way, I did listen to, to that right. episode. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did,
0: yeah, you know me. I'm always listening to it on, uh, you know that that app that we always go to to not Apple Podcast anymore
1: good oh, pods, um, good pods. yeah good pods that's where today.
0: i've been rating that's where i've been rating all y'all y'all shows at is on well, good thank pods.
1: you very much appreciate that You're very
0: welcome but yeah i definitely like um what you said about the show and that's what made me want to geek out with you and talk to you about this because i know that abby's busy with her schedule and stuff like that and i always respect her schedule mm-hmm. so it's like Who else can I talk about this? And all of a sudden, I'm hearing you talk about it. I'm
1: like, okay. I'm got. i really glad you reached out because uh, none of the scene invaders guys watch the show. So, yeah, you got to watch the last three episodes because you're going to discover more. They introduced Claudia, who they have changed significantly from the books and the movies. Good change. Really, really good change. And I
0: heard about the change from you proper change, from the yes. from the podcast.
1: Well, I'll, I'll just say it. I mean, now, Claudia in the books and in the movie, she's a five-year-old girl in this show. A five-year-old, excuse me, a uh, white girl. And this, she is a 14-year-old black girl. And,
0: and I like just, the change it of race. Works.
1: I love the change of race. I love when they change race on any character because, I one, I like it when it annoys people um he was he was he was white he was white for 75 years and now he's now he's asian well yeah you can he was you had 70 let me tell you why i like this
0: though man you're good let me tell you (laughs) it just fits well let me tell you even a deeper meaning why it fits though because vampires are kind of alienated from the regular world that people live in yes and having People of color to play these characters in a world that's also alienated themselves for centuries and bought them as slaves. And it tells that kind of deep story. That's why I think that it's resonated with the show. And that's why I like it.
1: Well, I think it could also be a a source of Louis' guilt. Just generations of it. He's a self-made man. He's gotten himself out of everything. And now he's been given this, well, they call it a gift. Take it for what you want. Um, and he he just forever owes somebody something. Whether he feels it, whether he's been told it. Lestat's never told Louis once that you owe me. And he's, he's fallen with every one of his whims. He's given in to every one of his, not even demands, requests. Because Listat is above anything lonely. And he wants someone to be with.
0: That's very true. And I do have a quick question though before we close out and after once I get to Abby's comment in a minute. Sure. But okay, so you know how we are dealing with Daniel who has Parkinson's disease. Yes. So I'm actually figuring out in my head on why he's there. And we all know that vampire blood has a way of curing certain things. So I'm wondering if if that's where the angle is actually going in, where Lestat wants to try it—not not Lestat, but Louis wants to help him with that disease, in a sense.
1: I I was wondering about that, um, and I won't spoil the three episodes. But for me, and this has nothing to do with the previous three episodes, the episodes we're dealing with right now it kind of set it up in the very first thing, which is another favorite line is when he's starting the interview and Lou is like, okay, like now, okay, we'll do it now. And he says, are you not tired? And he's like, no. And he says, I think he's a little tired. And he talks to um, Rashid and he says, Rashid, while you're looking in Daniel's room, please prepare our boy a meal. And he says, I'm not your fucking boy. I'm an old man. And I come with so, and, and I come with all the triggers that comes with it, and it's like he, he doesn't want to be a vampire. He doesn't want a cure. He wants to get this story out because, one, it's the greatest story ever told from a unique perspective that nobody else has, and two, it's it's his life's work without it even realizing it he's been working on this for 40 years and forgotten about it for 40 years like that's i want to see we have the modern times we have the way past i want to see the mid past i want to see when daniel and louis meet i want to see what that looks like in 1975 or whatever they were
0: i do too that's something that hasn't been done and that's one of the main things i would love to do
1: and this show has a season two and this show also has a um a companion podcast from amc and it's really entertaining they interview all the actors and some of the uh showrunners and directors and it's it's great i I listen to it right after every show it's definitely have to listen to it go on goods pads and type in amc's interview with a vampire but only listen to three episodes, John. Okay. Got you got to, you got to get those other three <laughs> under your belt and then we'll geek out even more.
0: Okay. All right. Sounds great, man. And uh, let's see here. I just want to get through some of the comments real quick. And then after that, we'll close out. Uh, Abby says, I'm the worst. I just woke up at eight 30. I legit feel like Lewis. Haha. It <laughs> hit me in the fe- feelings hard when he said something about how much you miss normal things living on the, on the oh,
1: schedule yeah she's got a different schedule so it's the little things yeah. that you have to adapt to could you imagine tomorrow if they said you could never see the sun again you can't go in the sun ever again that's Let's quite see. the that's that's quite the uh, altercation you have to run with yeah i love uh Malloy as well i i yeah eric um what is the gentleman's last name Boganson he's he plays it he plays it great i just i love that he's not afraid of louis not not even in the least
0: i am too that's one of my other favorite thing with this though is remember whenever he talks about the coffin because i thought there would be coffins well you're in a coffin
1: you're in the basically a giant room can become a coffin well as long as there's no light and they look like they have those, um, know, one of those, those translucent lenses or whatever like that throughout the entire thing. Cause his his manservant, uh, opens it up and he burns his arm to show that, yes, yeah, so we're totally safe.
0: But I think that's everything that we wanted to cover with the first four episodes and stuff like that. Another thing, too, is I just want to mention this I do have a special announcement that I want to make. And it's the fact that I have Mr. Coleman Domingo from The Fear of the Walking Dead coming on. He's also appeared in that's, Candyman. That's awesome. Thank you. thank you, man. Thank you so much. Well, so thank anyways, you very much, you guys John. Can Really, really appreciate
1: you having me on here.
0: Brad, it's always an honor to have you on here, dude. Like, seriously, I I missed actually geeking out with you about certain things. I know our schedule's kind of lopsided sometimes <laughs> and things like that, but I've definitely had a great time talking about uh top Gun maverick a couple months back now yep. this it's it's been a great collaboration with us and of course us being on y'all's podcast on scene invaders
1: oh, so well. much fun so, so much fun having you guys on
0: anyways guys that's gonna do it for me at movie Love night so always until next time guys have a great and safe night and
1: bye-bye